Hello there and a very warm welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Huddle brought to you by the Leeds Hospital Radio Sports Team. Whether you're listening in hospital or on the web, we'll hope to keep you entertained for the next 40 minutes or so with our thoughts on what's happening in the world of sport. As usual, we'll take a look at the fortunes of our local football teams and we'll also be checking in on England's progress in the third test against India in Rajkot and reflecting on last weekend's fixtures in the Six Nations Championship. And the other code of rugby this week sees the start of the Super League season and there'll be a preview of the action plus our sporting moments of the week to round things off. My name's Tony Chalk, and I'm joined this evening by Jim Walker and Bernie Thornton. So let's kick off by reflecting on our championship sides, Leeds United and Huddersfield Town, both of whom had good wins this midweek. And I think, Jim, um, Leeds United would be particularly pleased, not only with a victory down at Swansea, a convincing one, but also by the fact that, uh, of course, Southampton who are very much vying with them at the moment for second place, lost. And so Leeds now could see themselves in the box seat. In fact, they could say that promotion is in their own hands. Yes, I think that's uh, that's right. And I mean, February has been an absolutely terrific month for uh, uh, for Leeds so far. I mean, they've played three championship matches. They've not let a goal in uh, and they've scored eight um, in return in the three matches. Uh, and they've got nine points. Well, that's uh, championship form, if ever, if ever there was. Um, Southampton, technically, if they were to win the outstanding game, would go back, uh, would go back above them. But as you say, they, they, they lost the last one. Um, what I was going to check and didn't, um, was who was manager of the month, uh, last month. I think it was Daniel Farker. I think it was Daniel Farker. It was Farker. He, he yeah, got, I, I didn't so. know whether Russell Martin might have got it at Southampton, in which case I was going to talk about the curse of the, uh, um, curse of the manager of the month, which I shall come back to later. Um, um, but, um, but yeah, and they're playing well. Um, I, I listened to last week's uh, broadcast and, uh, Bill Dale, uh, our resident, uh, Leeds United season ticket holder was on. And, uh, I must say, I did agree with what he said in that, um, he said that, um, he wasn't as keen on Ampadu playing in the defense as in the midfield. And he still wasn't convinced about Furpo as a left back defending. Um, and I must say, I, I totally agree with that. Um, and, um, Leeds, uh, play, play this weekend down at Plymouth, of course, which is another long trek. Um, and then they do have a week off until the following Friday when they play Leicester. Now they, of course, beat Leicester, um, um, earlier on in the season at Leicester. Um, and on that occasion, one of the reasons that they won, I think, was because uh, Ampadu wasn't playing in the defence. He played in midfield alongside um, um, the um, um, chap whose name just escapes me. Um, um, uh, no, no, in, in the midfield. Um, oh, in midfield, sorry. Um, uh, 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 well, uh, is it uh, Gruev or, or no 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 the other one no, no. Uh, oh. <laughs> it's, it's a total mental block everybody will know what I mean anyway uh, he's been playing very well um, Kamara um, Kamara right. and um, uh, and I think that was one of the reasons that they uh, that they managed to overturn Leicester um, I will worry about them next week when they do play Leicester uh, if they persist with Firpo at left back um, and Ampadu uh, in the centre of the defence. Um, I think it's, while I can understand why he's done it, uh, I think it weakens them significantly in the middle of the field. 
Um, so that's my only concern. But they can score goals for fun. And I watched the uh, the goals that they scored against Swansea, and Swansea had them under pressure and suddenly lost the ball. And all of a sudden, within space of batting an eyelid, uh, the ball was in the uh, the Swansea goal. And Nonto seems to have uh, rediscovered a touch. Now he is a very dangerous player if he's uh, if he's on his game, and uh, so I don't think you could ask for any more from Leeds uh, so far uh, uh, so far this uh, this month. And long may it uh, may it continue. And I don't think Plymouth will be easy on Saturday though. And I know they beat them easily in the cup, or they scored four goals in the cup. I'm not sure they won that easily, uh, despite what you said last week, Tony. Um, um, <laughs> So I think it might be slightly uh, slightly closer on Saturday, but I still think Leeds should uh, Leeds should do it. Yeah, I, I I thought they were I thought they should have wrapped up the the Plymouth Cup tie in in, in uh, normal time. To be honest, that was uh, that was my point, and uh, they they really let them off the hook. They could have finished them off. Uh, but anyhow, we shall see how Leeds get on uh, at Plymouth on Saturday. Of course, Southampton have a tricky match. Uh, on Friday evening, away to West Brom, so mm. uh, so, so that could uh, that could help Leeds. And of course, Leeds. The reason I say Leeds have got it in their own hands is that, of course, they play Southampton in the last match at Elland Road, which could be uh, an absolutely vital fixture. Ipswich, we saw, got back to winning ways. Uh, they go down to Swansea. It's their turn to go to Swansea uh, this weekend. Um, so it'll be a most interesting situation at the end of the weekend. See if Leeds are still second. And by how many points they might be second? Um, interesting point as well, Tony. Just so, just to just to finish off, is that the team in seventh place, that's Norwich, have only got forty-eight points. So already Leeds are eighteen points above the final playoff position. So um, while it's obviously the, the aim is to get the automatic spot, um, the consolation prize mm. uh, is the uh, is the playoffs, and you can almost think them in. For them and Southampton, one or other of them, for the playoffs. Yes, and and Ipswich as well. I would have thought really they should, they should all be all right. Mm-hmm. Um, down at the other end of the table, of course, uh, Huddersfield Town looked as though they were going to do Leeds a favour last week. I was at Twickenham and I looked at the score on the way to the ground, and uh, it was two nil to Huddersfield. And I thought this looks interesting. Then I looked at it again before kick off, and it was two all. And just before the match started, Huddersfield had gone 3-2 ahead again. I had great hopes. But when I switched on at half-time, Bernie, um, disappointing. They they'd let, a, I think, three goals in in the last 10 minutes, went down 5-3. But it was obviously a decent performance. And they took that on and carried that on into the match uh, on, on Tuesday night, the home game against Sunderland, and won that. And that, that is a great boost. And, and the manager, two wins out of three now, the caretaker manager. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, Tony. Um, that game against Southampton, uh, it, apparently they played really well. Uh, gave Southampton a real shock by going two up and then taking a 3-2 lead. But in the end, I think they just ran out of steam, basically. And it's uh, it, it's becoming so much more important now, the quality of the bench. And uh, when you look at the Southampton bench, they've got men uh, sat on the bench who've, who've Cost fees of um, well into uh, seven figures, and compare that with Huddersfield, who three or four weeks ago could only find six men to, to actually sit on the bench. So when you look at it that way, it's hardly surprising they ran out of steam. 
and uh, it, it was apparently a very good performance. But uh, yeah, you, against that, you've got to say you really shouldn't be letting in five goals in within 45 minutes. But uh, nevertheless, that was it was a sign of intent that from caretaker manager John Worthington. He'd been the architect of a 4-0 victory against Sheffield Wednesday the previous week. And uh, after those two results, we all waited to see what was going to happen in the game against Sunderland last night, which I was fortunate enough to be commentating on with uh, my colleague Kane Hall. And uh, they were superb last night. They beat Sunderland 1-0. Uh, it sounds as if it was a bit um, uh, tighter than, than it was. They, they did play well. Sunderland are a decent side as well. But town were good value for that victory. And um, uh, th- things have changed quite dramatically uh, over the last three games. Um, I, I hardly dare mention this, really, but I'll, I'll mention it anyway. The last time I was on this podcast, I was bemoaning the, uh, what I thought was an early departure of Darren Moore. Uh, I thought he should have been given a bit of a chance with the new signings that they've got during the transfer window. And I think I went on record as saying that I thought Huddersfield's chances of surviving had reduced by the sacking of Moore rather than uh, improved. (laughs) Well, I'm rethinking that one because they are, after those two victories out of three under caretaker John Worthington, they've moved on to 34 points from 32 games, which means that if they take one point from all the remaining games, an average of one point per game, They'll finish on 48 points, which is usually enough to um, ensure survival. It doesn't guarantee it, but uh, it's usually enough. So they're in a far better position. Most importantly, the injuries, whilst there are still men being injured whilst playing, but they are being outnumbered by the ones who are returning from the treatment table. And at one point, there were more in the physio's room than there were on the training pitch. And, um, of course, it, the squad's been boosted by some uh, judicious signings during the January window. So, overall, things looking a lot better for Huddersfield Town. They've still got some work to do, and that starts on Saturday against Hull City. And we'll be commentating on that. Uh, I think Bill Dale and Alan Breeze are there at the John Smiths on Saturday and uh, looking for another win. But... The great thing is, three tough games in a week, they've got the manpower now to withstand that because they can rotate somewhat, whereas previously it was a case of whoever's fit gets to play. So, uh, yeah, things looking a lot better, uh, although still got some work to do. Yeah, and uh, Hull, a similar position in the table to Sunderland, I think, aren't they? Probably a similar sort of quality of side, so... uh, uh, they will go into that game, I'm sure, with, with a fair amount of confidence. Well, yeah. let's move to League Two then. We'll talk, uh, first of all, Bernie, I'll come to you about Bradford City, who have been sort of stuttering along, but now, excellent away win at Wrexham, and then a 4 nil thumping of MK Dons uh, in, in midweek, uh, which means that uh, they will be feeling in, in much better spirits. And, of course, on Saturday, they've got bottom of the table, Sutton United visiting Valley Parade. So uh, things are beginning to look on the up for them. Well, a couple of good results for City, certainly. They're still in 13th position, but they're only four points behind um, Harrogate and Knox County, who were 7th and 8th, that 7th position being the lowest um, playoff position. So it's all to play for for City, and it's just so frustrating that they can't seem to put any string of consistency behind them. They have some, had some very poor results, as we've said several times. 
but uh, hopefully those two victories that they've had recently uh, will see them right and uh, they can start going forward. Yeah, indeed. Um, and now in the last couple of weeks, of course, we've been focusing much more on Harrogate Town, who uh, got an excellent point over at Stockport, uh, the top of the table side a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and then uh, with Notts County losing, I think it was on Friday night to Gillingham and uh, Harrogate Town, albeit with a sort of late scrambled goal, beating Colchester, it put them into the playoff places uh, last Saturday and uh, everything was really good. So, Jim, what on earth happened at Mansfield on Tuesday? Well, this is interesting, isn't it? I mean, when I when I saw the score, uh, my first reaction was, oh, crikey, the goalkeeper must have been sent off. Three of the others must have been sent off. And we must have finished the game with about three players. And then I looked and saw not only was nobody sent off, there was not one booking on the Harrogate team at all. So I then sort of started scrolling around for other reasons why this had happened. Um and my first reaction was it was the curse of the manager of the month because Simon Weaver got manager of the month. Um, uh, and then um, I read Brian <coughs> Nigel Clough's comments um, afterwards. And basically what Nigel Clough said was it was one of those nights where <coughs> we 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 did what we've been threatening to do, which is every time we sort of seemed to get near goal, we scored. Um, and everything came together and he said it was all down to the training ground practice and everything else. So it was one of those nights. So I, I then read the comments um, that were um, in the uh, on, on the BBC uh, website and everybody seemed to say that. And there was quite a lot of praise for Harrogate. And one chap even pointed out that um, um, the score between the I think it was the 57th and the 67th minute was 2-0 to Harrogate. It was just a shame about the other 80. Um, and, uh, that was, so I, I looked at the figures and, um, and, uh, Mansfield managed to have 23 shots on goal, 13 of which were on target and nine of which went in. Now, um, I think most teams will be more than happy to get a ratio of nine out of 13 in the back of the net. Um, so, um, I think it was just one of those, um, uh, one of those nights and um it was a bit of a, a baptism of fire in a way but um um the test of course is on saturday when they they unfortunately have to go to crew who are third so we've managed to play in the, in the space of the last four matches the top three um or we will have done um so it will be interesting to see how they go against crew because um i think that will be a test um and the, fi- the final bit of info I'll, I'll give you, I could talk forever on this, but um, I had a look on the Harrogate Town website. Um, and there hasn't been a posting on the website since before the Mansfield game. So quite clearly, they, they don't quite know what to put on the website. And I found no, no quote from the manager. Um, there was nothing in the uh, Harrogate advertiser this morning. Um, about this game whatsoever. It had, it had just not taken place and it was all about Colchester and how well they were playing and everything else. Um, so at some point, um, they're either going to have to airbrush this game out of the uh, fixture list, which it, I seem to recall is what some team did against Leicester Tigers ladies last year. Um, they just sort of eliminated it from the, from their, their, their website. Uh, but, um, uh, so, so there we go. Um, 
just one final point, um, which is that um, they have been significantly weakened, Harrogate, because on the closure of the transfer window, um, Kane Ramsey, the right back, was transferred to Charlton uh, for quite a substantial transfer fee. Um, the manager wasn't particularly keen on him going, but basically said the amount of money that was on the table, we couldn't stand in his way because he's, he's a good player and he's young and he's ambitious. Um, and in, so on loan, we've got a chap called Derek Abu from Southampton. Uh, who's also um, an England under-17 international. But when he turned up, he literally turned up on the um, Friday morning or something um, before the Stockport game um, and was told he was immediately in the team. And he'd never played a first-team match before then. So he played the first-team match against Stockport, played the whole 90 minutes, um, and he also played against Mansfield. Now, he only lasted... Uh, 58 minutes against Mansfield, so I suspect he probably doesn't quite know what's uh, what's what's hit him. But uh, anyway, welcome to Derek Abu, um, and uh, we'll see uh, uh, we'll we'll see how he gets on. But a uh, lot of Ramsey is significant, and the defence is still is still weak at the moment because of injuries. But well done to him. Yeah, and uh, we'll wish them all the best. At uh, certainly three tough away fixtures on the on the trot there we wish them all the best at crew uh but yeah maybe we're in a parallel universe and that match at uh, mansfield never happened it was 9-2 for anybody who didn't see the scoreline which is more like a rugby score we'll talk, talk about rugby shortly but uh, we'll move on next to talk about the, the cricket which started uh, third test started in rajkot this morning uh and bernie we've uh, i think Every time we've uh, sort of been doing this uh, program in recent weeks, we've uh, been talking after the first day's play. And each time after the first day's play so far, we've been saying, well, India look favourites to win this test match. Uh, is it the same again this time? Well, it, it's a very similar situation, really, Tony. 326 for five. You would say India are in the driving seat, but if England can rattle those five wickets down tomorrow for, say, 60 or 70 runs keep them below the 400, England's still very much in the game on what I understand is a pretty good batting track. Uh, they've got to do it, of course, and uh, England have been... Um, they've tended to bat better in the second innings than the first innings so far, but if they can uh, get, get an equal... Uh, uh, somewhere somewhere close, to, close to equality in the first innings, then, of course, it's anybody's game. And the way England are playing at the moment, then uh, they never give up and uh, a victory is always on the cards. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's an interesting one. I didn't see any of it this morning, but uh, I've looked at the scores and I think, for me, it was only a matter of time before Rohit Sharma came good with the bat. He's made 131. And I think the standout bowler for England, of course, would have been Mark Wood. Um, as well as his three wickets, he got a run out. With, uh, Jadeja running out his debutant partner mm-hmm. when Jadeja needed one run for his 100. So uh, anyway, he's seen that through, and um, he, he's still uh, still there. Is Jadeja on 110? Um, bad luck on Safras Khan making his debut uh, run out for 62. So uh, yeah, there is potential there for India to get well into the 400s. On the other hand, um, uh, the first session is going to be so important. If England can roll them over, then um, it's game on. So yeah, uh, very much as we've uh, said for the first couple of Test matches. Uh, you, you just can't tell until both sides are batted, which is the old cricket adage. Yeah, indeed. 
one thing that uh, certainly I, I did pick up, I thought Safras played very well, actually, and he was unlucky to be uh, sold up the river, really, by J- Jadeja in the, in the run-out. But uh, he, um, or England, rather, um, missed chances or missed a crucial chance uh, when Joe Root put, uh, put Sharma down when he was on 27, I think. Uh, and also, Jim, uh, a couple of... Uh, Non-reviews, which which could have been, uh, which could have gone England's way. Although I don't think you saw them, but uh, it looked to me as if both of them, well, one of them I think would have been given out. Um, but the one on Jadeja, I thought it was indistinct as to whether he'd hit the ball first. I don't, I don't know whether you, you saw it, Jim, or not. So I'm not sure that 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 would have been given actually. No, well, no, I didn't. I didn't see the replays, um, Tony. So as you say, I'm not sure whether they would have been given. Um, uh, I think the one was it was it Ahmed against uh, Rowett? Um, yes, yes. That, and then um, on first viewing, it didn't look as if it was going to be out, but the review said it would have hit leg stumps. Yeah, yeah. So that's that was unfortunate they missed that one. Um, uh, but uh, I think you've got to take that as it as it comes. Um, I did see a fair bit of it this morning, um, and as you say, Safraz uh, Khan. I mean, batted uh, a bit basketballish, didn't he? I mean, his 62 mm. came off 66 balls, and Jadeja just stood at the other end and watched. I mean, he he sort of got yeah. calm, didn't he? He, did he? Calm, he was on yeah. 96 for mm. for well forever, it seemed, and and mm. then he sort of moved moved along. Um, I thought the pitch um, was a good Test match pitch um, in that um, if you applied yourself, you got runs. But there was also quite a bit in it for the bowlers. Um, and I think it's significant that despite Safraz, uh, it took India 86 overs to get the 326. So that's only 3.8 um, and over. Now, I'm sure England wouldn't have approached it in that way. But it may well be that um, there were a few balls that misbehaved. Um, and I noticed that... Um, um, that Siraj is uh, is playing again for for India, isn't he? I think he did. He miss the last match, I think. Uh, I believe he did. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So oh. so they've got him and Bummer, so they're playing two seamers as well. Um, and my my reading of it is it it is a result game, um, and I think the team that's winning after the first innings will be the team that wins the match. Um, I just have that feeling. That, that the second inning scores are going to be lower. Um, and I think any runs that you've got in the bank after the first innings could be, could be priceless. Um, I mean, as far as India are concerned, um, if you take Sharma out of it, um, and to a lesser extent, Jadeja, their batting is very on the, the, the face of it, um, flaky in terms of experience. Um, I know that uh, Jaiswal got his big score in the last match and Gill's got 100 in the last match, but consistently, uh, is, consistency is what matters. Um, and they do seem to be a bit thin, um, but you've got to get through them. And that was the problem today, that they didn't get through Rowett. And that's why that catch you referred to, Tony, was so crucial. Because from 33 for three, you know, if you'd had you know, 50 for four or whatever the score would have been, uh, it would have made a difference. But um, I thought England applied themselves well. Um thought everybody bowled pretty well. Um, Root was a bit expensive, but then again, you know, he's not there to be a frontline bowler. 
Um, and um, so I think it's a fascinating game. Actually, I think, uh, as I say, it's a good test match pitch. Uh, I think as the game goes on, it will get more unpredictable. Uh, and that's why I think uh, first in his lead will be all important. Yeah, I guess that's one thing we did think at the beginning of the series was that uh, winning the toss could be important because first inning runs generally do matter. England managed to defy that in the first test, but it, it certainly counted in the second test. Uh, and Bernie, I guess Joe Root dropping that catch today uh, hasn't really helped him because he must feel under a bit of pressure. Four innings, high score 29. With such a good record in India, he's been disappointing so far. Yeah, he has, and he'll be disappointed himself, but he doesn't normally suffer from pressure problems too much. He's usually very, very reliable in the slips, but it sounds as if this one today was a real vital one, that if he had to uh, have one to cling on to, it should have been that one today. I I don't think he's of a mind to uh, let that affect his batting. I think much like Rohit Sharma, he will come good before long, and let's just hope it's uh, in, in the next innings. Indeed, yeah. Bumrah, I guess, is the guy who's been giving him the most problems and uh, we'll see how he manages to, to, to counter that. It was interesting that England is, did decide to go in with two seamers this time for the first time in the series and uh, certainly it worked bringing Mark Wood back. He, I didn't think he bowled particularly well in the first test, but uh, he did today and, uh, and Anderson did a good steady job today. So we'll hope that they can clear up the tail reasonably quickly tomorrow and uh, and then get into uh, into the batting and hopefully get up on a par, at least with a, uh, a par with India. Right, let's turn now to uh, to rugby, the two codes of rugby. We'll start off by uh, looking at the Six Nations Championship uh, first weekend uh, course we reviewed last week, which saw uh, three away wins, I think, didn't it? Uh, Ireland winning in France, England winning in Italy, Scotland winning in Cardiff. Uh, and it started off last weekend with another away win uh, in extraordinary circumstances at, uh, at Murrayfield with a, a, a TMO review, which seemed to go on forever and uh, came up with a controversial result. And it looked as though uh, there might be another away win at Twickenham uh, with Wales leading at half time. But England managed to get through that one. Uh, uh, but there was never much hope of an away win on Sunday. I don't think Ireland pretty complex comprehensively defeating uh, Italy in Dublin. So uh, Ireland top of the table and England second. Jim, uh, first of all, let's talk about England, shall we? Uh, I was at Twickenham last Saturday. Uh, My verdict was that it was a poor game and it was badly refereed. What did you think? Yeah, I don't think I'd describe it as as, as poor. It didn't seem that bad on the television. Um, I thought England grew into it, played played pretty well. Uh, I think it was fairly typically uh, England in that the areas where I think they're weak, uh, they were weak, and the areas where they're strong, they're strong. Um, Stewart will catch a cold um, as well as 500 rugby balls 99 times out of 100. Um, uh, halfbacks were, were sound, uh, I thought. Um, the Second row, I thought, was particularly good. Um, I think Itoji and Chesham are powerhouses. But for me, they're they're weak in the centre uh, and they're weak in the back row. Um, and <clears throat> I think going forward, um, I think there's a chance that for the next match, um, you're going to have Martin back. Well, that will be an enormous strength. Um, and Tuolangi and or Lawrence. 
Um, and I think that will be a great strength as well. Uh, I'm totally unconvinced about both Daly and Slade. Um, no matter how good they might be for their clubs, um, don't see what they really bring to the party. Um, so uh, uh, I've always felt that, if I'm honest, and nothing has changed my mind. I thought Wales scored the try of the game. I thought it was mm. a cracking try that they that they they scored. I thought England were always in control and. From watching on the television, they always looked like uh, they were going to win. Um, um, I can't remember much about the ref, to be honest. I was still um, spitting feathers about the ref on Saturday. Um, um, uh, but uh, on the earlier game on the uh, on the Saturday. Um, but um, you'd have to remind me who he was, actually, the ref on, on uh, Saturday. There was a New Zealander called Dolman. Uh, and, uh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Sorry. Yes, that does... That, you, you do remind yeah. me now, yes. Well, when, when you're paying sort of over 100 quid for a ticket, you don't really want to spend what seemed like about an eighth of the game watching, watching scrums collapsing and being reset. I thought he yes. was absolutely hopeless in his refereeing of the scrum. Uh, yes. and, and, and it took a lot away from the game. Uh, and I, I thought there were just too, too many mistakes, really. I mean, England did well in the second half, although I think... Uh, the crucial point of the game actually was when England scored a try through Ben Earl when they had, when they had 13 men. I think yeah. that was the key moment in the game actually. And even though they were behind at half time, you always kind of felt in the second half that that, that they probably would uh, would pull it off. But um, they've got you know they've got a tough task up in in Scotland. We'll talk about that next week. Obviously, it's a week off this week. Um, but yeah, it, it was a kind of unconvincing performance. I think if England can win at Murrayfield. Uh, I, I'd be happy because I can't see them winning in France, really. Although, well, we'll talk about France in a moment, but uh, an Ireland still look a class apart as far as I'm concerned. But uh, go on, I'll let you vent your spleen about the referee at Murrayfield then. I didn't see the match, so. Well, I mean, I, I thought Scotland played really well and, and I thought they were the, they were the better team. Um um, and then this this last did you, did you see this last minute try that wasn't given? I was watching it on my phone at, at Twickenham before. Well, the well, you, I mean, I mean, even on television you could clearly see the ball on the ground. Now, I mean, if it's if it's you know we're not hundred percent sure, well then the, there's no point in actually referring the thing to the TMO because bodies collapse everywhere, um, and it's not surprising that they they don't. Uh, um, you know, they, they don't give these things. I mean, to, to me, um, Scotland were a bit naive because I do think international and club sides now are coached such that when it gets very close to the line, somebody will inevitably go to ground and get their hand under the ball. I think that they must be coached on that to be because it happens too often for it not, not to be, not to be turned over. Um, so I think Scotland, when it was all crammed in like that, did have a chance to get the thing out wide, and that's where I think they could have they could have scored, but they didn't. But even so, um, I still think they scored. Um, and how he how he gave it when he was kneeling kneeling down, watching it from about five foot away, um, how he didn't give it, I, I just I, I just don't know. I mean, just just astonishing to me. Yeah, that was that was a bit that surprised me actually. I thought the referee had the better view of it than the TMO, and I couldn't see how he couldn't make the decision. Bernie, did you did you see yeah, it? I, I did see it uh, in, in its uh, <laughs> eternity, as it seemed. 
But uh, I've got a question for you guys, not being a student of the Oval Ball game particularly. Um, I, I, I agree with what Jim said. I think um, the ball moved from boot to ground. I think uh, there, there can be little doubt about that. What I was unclear about, and I didn't see it discussed at all, wasn't actually a hand in contact with the ball as it did so. Good question. I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's, uh, and, and as well, I wondered if the TMO had a doubt as to whether it was actually on the line or not once it had fallen off the foot. So, um, I mean, I think, I think the odds are it was a try, but I, I think by the letter of the law, the TMO was probably right to disallow it in the sense that the referee had called no try, which yeah. may seem a rather odd call, uh, given how close he was and, and the yeah. view that he had. Um, but he could not be 100% certain that it had been scored and, and therefore he had to, to disallow it. But, um, yeah, it was all very strange. And I should think the, uh, the, the Scots will be hoping not to see Nick Berry or uh, was it Brian McNeese, I think was the TMO yeah. oh, uh, at Murrayfield yeah. for a while. <laughs> so, very yeah. odd. Anyhow, um, that's, that's uh, our thoughts on the Six Nations, the Ireland-Italy game. Well, it was, it was very one-sided, really, and... Uh, very predictable, but uh, we'll look ahead to the next round of matches, of course, uh, this time next week. We'll turn now uh, just uh, to briefly to Rugby League because it's the Super League season kicking off as we speak, actually, uh, as we record this on Thursday night. Uh, the whole derby is being played. Uh, and of more interest to us, uh, I, I think, Bernie, is uh, Leeds Rhinos who go into action against Salford Reds tomorrow night. That's a match, again, we'll be featuring uh, on Leeds Hospital Radio. Uh, and Leeds will be looking to get off to a good start because I think they got off to a pretty ropey start last year and, and they really stuttered along all season. And seasons. the year before. Uh, and the year before, indeed. So uh, yeah. it's an important match for them tomorrow. Yeah, very much so. Um, I think they've probably uh, got a good first uh, first round draw against Salford at home. Now, uh, I believe Salford are uh, somewhat under strength, relatively speaking. Um, the, in fact, I, I think I'm right in saying there's a couple of Salford players that have actually gone to Leeds uh, over the close season. But, um, yeah, I, everything I read suggests that Salford might not be quite as strong as they have been. So uh, how, how do you predict what Leeds are going to do? We, we've, uh, we've gone into the last couple of seasons, as we've, uh, as we've said, think, hoping and thinking that they will proved to be uh, as strong as they have traditionally been, and they've been extremely disappointing. So, um, yeah, we, uh, we can only hope that they can um, uh, get, get, a, get off to a flyer and get, uh, get, get some early points on the board, which will give them the confidence to take them forward, hopefully into a more uh, a productive season. I don't, frankly, see them challenging for the top end of the table. I think uh, I'm going to be, have to be very boring here and uh, say that I can't see a great deal further than uh, uh, Wigan, Catalans. And uh, I'm going to say St. Helens coming back very strongly this season. Uh, I think uh, if I had to tip anybody for the uh, eventual title, it would be St. Helens. Uh, but I'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb and uh, say Leeds might be a good bet for the Cup this year. And uh, just before I leave it to you guys, uh, I can say, as things stand at the moment, and, as, and when we go on air, everybody will know the end result here, but uh, I'm pleased to say, from my point of view, Hull KR leading Hull FC by 14 points to nil.
Oh, well, there we are. <laughs> Thank you very much for that, yes. And Hulk out, of course, got to the Challenge Cup final last year, a bit unlucky yeah. to lose in some ways uh, against Lee. And this time last year, of course, we were predicting St Helens to, to clean up, and of course they didn't win anything. Lee won the Challenge Cup against Hulk and uh, Wigan won the uh, the grand final against, was it Catalans they played in the final? I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah Catalans, because yeah. Catalans beat St Helens in the semi-final. Uh, but Leeds and Salford, uh, well, if you are listening to this uh, in, in the hospital, on Friday evening. The commentary will be coming up uh, after us. I'll give you a reminder of that at the end of the programme. And, uh, of course, we'll have Super League coverage throughout the season um, on uh, Leeds Hospital Radio, uh, covering both Leeds Rhinos and uh, occasionally Huddersfield Giants as well. I think we'll be uh, dipping into some of the action from there. So that uh, that just about brings us to the end. We'll be coming to our moments of the of the week shortly. But one thing I was going to mention earlier, actually, under under, under cricket. Now I'll just ask you very quickly about this, both of you. Um, I see today that um, uh, Yorkshire have, have taken a step forward. We hope by settling the outstanding uh, legal claim with uh, with Wayne Morton. Uh, and uh, Colin Graves now in in place, and um, uh, well, I'll, I'll ask you both. Uh, Jim, we'll start with you. Do you have more confidence uh, that this is going to be a somewhat smoother time for for Yorkshire County Cricket Club this season? Well, I think so, Tony, because it, it could hardly not be. I think would be the the first first response to, response to that. Um, uh, please, they've, they're, they're trying to settle these outstanding things. I mean, there was no point in them dragging on. The club were clearly, I think, on a losing wicket there. Um, and so the sooner it was, it was dealt with, the better. Um, thankfully, um, Colin Graves appears to have the funds that he's willing to put at the club's disposal. Um, quite the full ramifications of that I've not yet seen. Um, I'm not sure about this. Is it still a members club? Is it going to become a limited company? I, I mean, I, I just don't know what what the score is there. But um, but I think the main thing is it should allow them to function to sorry to focus uh, on the cricket. Um, and if they can do that, then um, if they perform to standard, then I think they're going to be one of the better teams in Division Two. That's not to say they're a great team, but in terms of Division Two. Um, they ought to be one of the stronger teams. Um, it would be good to see the captain play a full season. I'm not sure whether he's going to be able to do that or not. Um, but um, then they they're not going to sign any players. So yeah, uh, Bernie, optimistic. Uh, modestly, as Jim says, it can't really be any worse than the last three years. So uh, we've got to look forward positively. Well, thanks very much for that. So we'll keep our fingers crossed. So we'll finish off with our moments of the week. Jim, fire away. Um, right, moment of the week. Uh, Mark Cavendish, uh, he won for the first time this year uh, on stage four of the Tour of Columbia. Um, and the important thing about that win was that it was his 163rd in his career. Why is that important? Because that puts him equal second with Mario Cipollini um, um, on 163 wins. Um, a long way behind Eddie Merckx, who's got 276, but it shows that um, uh, he can still do it. Um, and with Astra Kazakhstan building their whole team around him this year um, with an aim of getting that victory at the Tour de France, um, we wish him all the best. And I just hope he stays out of trouble, stays injury-free, because clearly... When it comes to it, he can uh, still deliver the goods. So well done, Mark Cavendish. 
Indeed so, yeah, yeah. Bernie? Well, I did have a sporting moment of the week, Tony, but in the light of developments over the last half hour, it's been unceremoniously kicked into the long grass. Because the news now, which will be old hat by the time we go out into these hospital radio listeners, is that Huddersfield Town have a new manager. Oh. <laughs> Nigel Pearce. <laughs> after, after spending some time singing the praises of uh, temporary manager uh, John Worthington, and quite rightly so, I've been texted by my son during this last half hour to tell you that they have appointed a permanent manager. And it is a gentleman. I, I actually texted him back and said, who? And he said, good question. Uh, oh. So it's not a name that will mean a great deal to you, gentlemen, but the CV looks pretty good. His name is Andre Breitenreiter. And you will no doubt gather from that that he's a German. He has, I'll just give some very brief details. He's twice won promotion to the German Bundesliga. And uh, he, w- he went to Switzerland, managed FC Zurich and won the Swiss Super League with them. Um, he's, uh, he went back to Germany and um, he spent some time with Hoffenheim in the uh, Bundesliga. Uh, there's a great long CV on him here, but uh, I think that tells you all you all you need to know. Huddersfield Town have a new manager, and uh, let's hope they've got it right this time. Indeed, so well they had a pretty successful German manager before, didn't they? In 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 Wagner, so uh, they'll be hoping that, that history can perhaps repeat itself there. So that's well, that's hot off the press. Although, <laughs> as Bernie said, by the time you listen to this program, you'll probably have read about it all in the morning papers. Anyhow, but, uh, but that's uh, that's breaking news, as they say. So uh, let's hope that he gets off to a good start uh, against Hull City on Saturday, and that uh, just about brings us. Uh, to the end of another edition of the Sports Huddle. My thanks go to uh, Bernie and Jim and, of course, to you for listening. We hope that you've enjoyed the programme and that you'll join us again soon, ideally on the web when you're out of hospital. But please remember, if you are still in hospital over the weekend, there'll be full match commentary on Huddersfield Town's crucial home match against Hull City at the John Smith Stadium uh, on Saturday. And that, of course, will be with uh, Bill Dale and Alan Breeze, as Bernie said. Uh, the kickoff's at three o'clock and we'll be on air at around 2.45. And do stay tuned in now, of course, because after we've gone off air, uh, Steve Fountain and Kane Hall will be with you to bring full commentary from Headingley on Leeds Reno's opening Super League fixture as they host Salford Reds. But for now, from me, Tony Chalk and the rest of the team, get well soon. Take care. And enjoy your sport. Goodbye.